listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Well, good morning, church. All right. Today we will be continuing our sermon series of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but first off, I want to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Fredo Hernandez. I have been happily married to my wonderful best friend, my wife, Jackie, for 20 years uh, this coming August. Uh, she's put up with me for that long. It's, a, it's an, a miracle in itself. Uh, we have three kids from the range of 20 to 12 uh, our family is our world. It doesn't mean, it doesn't matter if you're blood or not. If our relationship evolves to the point of where we call you family, like they said in the old days or how we used to say it in the old days is I, I'd cut for you. So in our free time, we like to fish and we like to spend some time at the lake. Uh, last but not least, I'm also somehow a leader here at the White House campus. Today we'll be in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 15 and going through 23. We'll read it as a whole, and then we'll go back through it. But before we dive in, join me in prayer. My Lord, my God, my Father, I come to you today, Lord, to just ask you to be with us to open our ears, to let us hear your word. And Father, I ask that if anything false comes out of my mouth, that it falls on deaf ears. Lord, open our hearts to receive your word as, as we speak it today. Reveal things that we haven't seen before. Lord, show us your love and compassion in your scriptures. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So starting in verse 15, it reads, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
Today we'll be going over false prophets and hopefully what to look out for. Last week, Clint led us through what it meant to ask, seek, and knock. In the very beginning of this set of scriptures, Jesus just plainly says, watch out for false prophets. So what does it mean to be a prophet? The word prophet doesn't necessarily mean that it's someone who is a foreteller. Uh, For example, someone that says, uh, God's not going to let it rain for the next three days. Someone that's telling of the future. Uh, It can also mean that it is someone who is standing and speaks for God. Now, false prophets were in the Old Testament, and they're also in the New Testament. Jesus will continue to teach about them later on in Matthew. But no worry, Jesus tells us exactly how to spot them in the same verse. I know that most of us think that we are a good judge of character and that maybe we could spot a fake a a mile away. But I'm sorry to say to be able to see a false prophet or a false teacher, it's going to be harder than what you think. In verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. That they will come to you in sheep's clothing. There it is, plain as day. They are going to look like us. They're not going to be walking around with a neon sign pointing at them saying, false prophet here. No, they're going to look as one of the flock. In Revelation, John says, speaking of the false prophet, he says, I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. It's a scary thought to think about it, but they will look like us. Jesus continues and says that inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So some very hungry wolves, in other words. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to eat. They're trying to devour any unexpected sheep. Let's continue in verse 16. Jesus says you would recognize them by their fruit. A way or a fruit of a false prophet is that they will try to deceive you. Change a word in a scripture or to get you to look at a scripture out of context. Like Clint pointed out last week when he went over the ask, seek, and knock. If I can, I'm going to try to use a couple of scriptures as an example. Let's look real quick at verses 12 and 13 above us. In verse 12, it reads, So whatever you wish what others would do to you, do also to them. 
for this is the law of the prophets. Above that, it should say the golden rule, maybe, in your Bible. Verse 13, it reads, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. If you change just one word, it can change the whole setup of those verses. If you change the do in verse 12 into don't, it would change your whole perspective. It limits God. I've heard it before, especially when we're teaching young kids. Because it's easy. The golden rule is probably the second verse that most kids learn after John 3.16. When young ones have a bad experience with another kid or a sibling because they probably got hit or something like that, they, the golden rule comes in to play. But usually, sometimes it gets twisted, it gets switched into don't, as an example. I have two boys. One of them will come up crying. What happened? Bubba hit me. Well, why? And it goes on. You got to get the whole story. You go to the other one. Did you hit him? Yes. Why? Because he hit me. You know, you get the whole story. But then it comes down to him. It's like, well, do you want him to hit you? No. Then don't do it to him. Don't do something to someone else that you don't want them to do to you. It sounds similar, but it's totally different. We know that God is love. John tells us that in his word. There is no limit to what God would do for us. Because of his love. Like John 3.16, it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So when I struggle with someone because we don't see eye to eye, maybe our personality clashes or whatever it may be, it's easier for me to just avoid that person. But it's harder for me to die to myself and to love that person the way that I want to be loved. To do rather than not to do. Another example is in Scripture is in verse 13. It says, For the gate is wide and the way is easy, that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. The false prophet isn't saying, hey, let me help you through the narrow gate. No, he's saying, look how many of us are over here in this wide gate. There's many of us. When false prophets deceive many people, they will use it, use them, and say, look how many people is doing it. 
So it's got to be right. Everyone is doing it. You heard the old wives tell. I know your mama, probably your grandmama's told you. If everybody's jumping off a cliff, you going to jump too? I hope not. Let's get back to verse 16. Jesus says, you will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. Jesus starts off by saying you will recognize them by their fruit. And he ends by saying you will recognize them by their fruit. So anytime he says something double, there is some emphasis there. It is the fruit. Fruit is the end result. After much care or or lack of thereof, it's the fruit. A false prophet cannot bear good fruit. So when you hear a teaching, you've got to ask yourself, where is this leading me? What is the fruit of this? Is this teaching leading me to some self-righteousness that I got to do upon my own works? Or is this some kind of financial gain, like a prosperity gospel? Or is this teaching leading me to God's grace and love? Is it leading me to the foot of the cross? Does it lead me to Christ, the one and only way to eternity? What is the fruit? It makes me think not too long ago, we were going over the fruit of the Spirit in our life group. And everyone that was going to discuss one of the fruits of the Spirit actually got a piece of fruit. It looked real. It was all shiny and pretty. But in reality, it was fake. One of the couples who was going to teach on one of the fruits took their fruit home. And one of their kids tried to take a big old bite out of that fruit because it looked that real. But to their disappointment, it wasn't any good. So we have to be on our guard when we hear teachings. It looks good and appealing to our eyes, but how does it taste? If it's bad, spit it out. That's why John tells us, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. 
verse 21, Jesus turns from false prophets to false professors, professors, people that say that they believe in Christ. It reads, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What does this look like? It looks like a person who professed Christ but never actually made him Lord of their life. Jesus said, if you love me, then you would keep my commandments. This is a person who never follows Christ in obedience. All they did was profess Christ, saying, hence, Lord, Lord. But they never did the will of God. They never went into obedience. I've heard one teacher say it like this. If Jesus is your Savior, but he isn't the Lord of your life, then what did he save you from? I knew a pastor who told me of a story of one time when he went to a third world country. And he was preaching the good news of Christ. And people came from all over, from different villages, and they were saying, yes, yes, Jesus is now my God. But a lot of them would not follow in obedience. A lot of them would not follow in obedience and baptism. Because baptism was a public profession of faith in Christ, saying that all their other gods were not the true God. And that they would only follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. No, they just wanted to put Jesus among the rest of their gods and call upon them when they needed him. Faith in Christ, if it is genuine, leads to a work of an obedient heart. Not because we are saved by obedience, no, it is not by our works. But our salvation produces obedience. Confession of Christ leads to submission to Christ from a heart that is being affected and filled with the love of Jesus Christ. It's not merely lip service. Let's continue in verse 22. It reads, On that day, that day he's talking about here is judgment day. Yes, my Lord is a a God of compassion and of love, but there will be a day of judgment when we will stand before him and take an account of our lives. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I think what Jesus is trying to tell us here in this last bit of scripture is that we can't confuse gifts with a genuine relationship with him. 
There will be people who will profess Christ and will have unique and incredible gifts but are not true followers of Christ. When I look at this verse, it stands out to me that these people, it seems that they're doing it all about them. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not cast out demons? I mean, in your name, of course. And didn't we do mighty works? Again, but in your name. And Jesus tells them that he never knows them. You might ask yourself, how is this possible? It's crazy to think that something like this can happen. But it can. And it has happened before. I've heard it taught about Judas. In a couple chapters to come uh, in Matthew, Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. And they were, had the ability to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and to cleanse lepers. So Jesus is already, already warning his disciples of those who are not truly his because he never knows them. It reminds me of a time when I was younger uh, of a basketball player that I personally know. Uh, basketball is our family sport. All my kids have played it, and we enjoy it. Uh, right now, it's the finals. It's not exciting. The teams that I wanted are in there. They're not in there. Or I thought there was going to be in there. Not in there. But again, I have been blessed to be able to spend some time in the presence of some of the greats like Dirk Nowinski, uh, Steve Nash, and Tracy McGrady, and others. Now, the player that I know he was drafted in 1993 in the first round with the second pick to the 76ers. The only player drafted higher than him was Chris Weber. Now, this draft class had some great greats in it like Jamal Mashburn, Penny Hardaway, Nick Van Exel, and Sam Cassell. He played for three teams in his career, the 76ers, the Nets, and the Mavericks. Sadly, he never won a ring in the league, but he still had a great career. One day while I was staying in San Antonio, I was in the lobby of this super nice hotel. Uh, it was a work thing. Because if it wasn't, I wouldn't be able to afford the hotel room. <laughs> Anyhow, when I was in the lobby, there the man was. All seven foot, six inches of him. Sean Bradley. Now, I remember that day vividly. Because of my boys were young and I was teaching them about a man's handshake. I was telling them that it needs to be firm. And you got to look a man in the eye when you do it. Because it's their very first impression of you. I just didn't, I didn't want a picture with the man. I didn't want an autograph. I just wanted to introduce myself and shake his hand. So I did it. It was very intimidating going to such a huge man. And when he shook 
my hand. His just engulfed mine. It was like he was just shaking my forearm. It's what it seemed like. Uh, but from that day on, I knew Sean Bradley. He knew me. Now, I usually don't try to brag and about all that to everyone, but you know, for the purpose of this sermon, you know, he's my homie from back in the day. Just, just letting y'all know. I can pretty much tell you anything you want to know, but I guarantee you, if any of y'all were so lucky to run into Sean and ask him if he knows Fredo Hernandez from the day we met in San Antonio with 100% confidence, I know he'll answer. Who? <laughs> he wouldn't know me from, how much of you know me from the introduction of this sermon? It's a one-sided relationship. I know a lot about him, but he doesn't have a clue about me. So it is with the truth and the people of Jesus' time, and also still true today. Because isn't that the real issue? Is that Jesus says, I never knew you. They know a lot about Jesus but they wouldn't let Jesus know them. So in conclusion, what is Jesus telling us as he starts to wrap up the Sermon of, this Mount, or the, Sermon of the Mount? That there was, is, and going to be false prophets. But if we stay on our toes and able to, to discern correctly, we'll be able to tell, the tr tell if their teaching lines up to the truth. And we will know their fruit. The second part is he's warning us that we can't be deceived by someone's gifts. In these scriptures, Jesus is telling him that he himself will be there on judgment day. And to declare to many, depart from me. I never knew you. As I stand here before you today, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, today can be that day. But it's a two-way street. He wants to know you. Not only that you have a head knowledge of him. My wife told me last night that a, a saying, and I thought it was, it was great, and she said, you can't save time. You can only spend it. Spend it wisely. I want to encourage you to continue to fight the good fight. To be intentional with your walk with Christ and with others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. 
Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.